1957, three-year-old Michael May experienced a serious eye injury due to chemical exposure that made him blind in both eyes. During the time of complete darkness, Michael refused to be a victim. He was a very enthusiastic skier, played in a lot of various sports, became a successful business executive. In 2000, an ophthalmologist named Daniel Goodman from San Francisco performed a miraculous surgery. He repaired Michael May's eyes, the cornea, and a man who had not seen for 40 years suddenly could see light again. He was able to see shapes and colors and things that he had not seen since he was three. We have a title today of Working Faith, and I think you'll understand that as we go along. We have this story that was read to us by Chakoti today of Hezekiah saying, Look, I was faithful. Why are you sentencing me to death, God? And we see that before Isaiah even gets out of the room, God says, well, go back and tell him he's got 15 more years. And then we see how those 15 years are used. Because as we read on there in 2 Kings chapter 20, verse 17, Behold, the time is coming when all that is in your house and that which your fathers have stored up until this day shall be carried away to Babylon. Nothing shall be left. And in verse 18, And some of your sons shall be born to you, shall be taken away, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of Babylon's kings. We went from a man pleading and gaining 15 more years to within a generation, it's all destroyed and gone. I have a question. Who sinned? Was it the parents that sinned or the son? We have another place where that same exact question is asked. We look at one of my favorite Gospels. In fact, I think it's my favorite, the Gospel of John, which by tradition was the last Gospel written and the last book that we have from the Apostle John. But it gives us pictures and glimpses of Jesus here on earth. That wonderful biography that's not necessarily shaped in chronological order, but is shaped by tradition and what is held dear to an apostle. It is a story that we will read about today of a heart caught up in the progression of God's love. We look at chapter 9 in the Gospel of John. And we see here that it's sandwiched in the middle of that Gospel. And in Jewish tradition, when you wanted to stress a point, it wasn't like today where we build up to a rousing conclusion and head off to go home and eat our lunch. In Jewish tradition, that that specialness was put in the middle. It was squeezed in because you had everything before it 
was prelude, everything after it was postlude, but that wonderful nougat of truth was right there in the middle. And in chapter 9, we see the beauty of the gospel being described before us. Everything from how high and rejoicing this can be to how low it can make a person feel. This chapter starts with the words, and it says, Now Jesus passed by, and he saw a man who was blind from birth. We could just pause here and say that the disciples who were walking with Jesus and the crowd who was with Jesus, they were all sighted. They could see these same things too. Why is it that this particular blind man seemed to be noticed by Jesus but bypassed by everyone else? But here we have a man who was blind from birth. He had never seen light. He didn't know what it was or how to react to it. Very often when I have troubles that come to my mind and distress, I think about Jesus. And I say, Jesus, were you ever feeling like this? Was I the only person in the history of the world who has ever walked along this pathway? This verse alone in the gospel brings us comfort in that Jesus sees us even when others do not. He is the one with the eyes that observe not the gold or the silver, not the diamonds or the emeralds, the glory or the magnificence of someone, but he sees people like you and me. Not what is glorious and shiny, but what is in trouble and needs help. That person was blind and been blind since birth. And knowing well the power of Jesus, the disciples could have asked him just to heal that person. But they take the whole conversation in a new way. We read on and it says a strange question. Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents that he is blind? In a world like today, we look for who's to blame for this? Who's responsible? We have to find out the reason behind why something happened. Who's responsible for that gunman killing those children? Who's responsible for this evil in this world? If we can find that responsible person, the whole world corrects itself. It is so important for us Christians to pray and think well before we open our mouths. How true is that? People that live around us, they live in sin. But wait a minute, we do too. And we try and run away from it. That's the only difference. We are sinners. And if we are not sinners, we don't need Jesus. But people that live around us, they do not expect us to accurately diagnose the sin that is in them. They look for us Rather, a word of hope, a word of encouragement. Why do I say this? Because the disciples are people just like us. Good Christians, good Seventh-day Adventists. They are good people that follow Jesus. But as usual, as humans do, they do not think much about the blind man sitting next to the side of the road. And they do not hear questions that normally should have been asked. Because those people are blind 
in the ears and do not hear. Pastor Ronald Dan, in his book, When Heavens Are Silent, tells the story of his son who was diagnosed with schizophrenia. When he was a teen, he attempted suicide many times. And, of course, in the last time, it succeeded. Pastor Ronald, being in a deep depression for around 10 years, makes a comment on churches, questions, and conversations like we find here. He pleads to church members to be sensitive to the pain of others and think less of our theological issues, but rather focus on the pain people go through. As an illustration, he says that once after the suicide of his son, one of the church members approached him and sincerely asked, Pastor, is it true that all who commit suicide go to hell? Rabbi, who sinned? Was it his parents? Was it him? Why does he have this affliction? If we know the why, we can then heal him, right? I praise God for Jesus and his kindness. He never goes into vain polemics. He stops the conversation right there and gets right to the point. And he answers and says, Neither this man nor his parents sinned. Well, that just can't be, can it? And Jesus said further, But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. That is why the devil is so angry that Jesus is at our side. He knows that Jesus will cover any sin that is attacked by accusation. Not only he stops the conversation, he shows a different perspective from all the troubles we might get into in our lives. Every trouble we face today, if we would look at it from God's perspective, is not because we are sinners, and that's our destiny, but troubles we face are a way to show God's glory and his works in our lives. Jesus continues with these words. Speaking to the blind man. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. What a marvelous speech to a person that is blind from the very beginning who has never seen light. I was wondering why Jesus said these words here. I am the light of the world. Because thinking back on this, we think in Genesis chapter 1 where we see Jesus saying, Let there be light, and there was light. And Jesus called that day, and the darkness he called night, and there was evening and there was morning, the first day. It is light that was first, and this first light has now come to this blind man. But sin has changed things around. And now, here is the creator of the universe standing in front of a creature who has not seen light because of why and how he was born. Telling him that he is the light. And he is here in the world to be the light of the world. 
Yes, night is coming when no one can work, but while Jesus is in the world, he is the light of the world. There is nothing else that is light in the world. And before night is coming, there are people that we see daily who are hungry for this light, that are hungry to know that Jesus is the light of the world. We read further, having said this, Jesus spit upon the ground, made some mud with his saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he said, wash in the pool of Siloam. Here is a blind man. He doesn't know what is happening in the crowd or anything else. He feels this mud upon his eyes, and he's told to go wash. Does he sit in question? He rises up. He goes. He washes. This chapter, or this part of the chapter, is the core message of the entire gospel. Jesus is our light. Jesus is our Savior, our Redeemer, our Healer, Restorer. Jesus is our Advocate. And as usually happens, there is someone on earth who gets the message, but there's millions around him who fail to get it. To summarize the encounter of the healed blind man and the Pharisees, I can tell that the first noticed, the first people who noticed a change in this man are neighbors. The neighbors suddenly said, how can this be? He was blind. Now he sees. I can't believe it. What happened? Was it a trick? Especially in our times, neighbors seem to know more about us than sometimes we know about ourselves. In Middle Eastern times, with the houses being so close, so close, if you sneeze in one house, three doors down, they say, bless you. Everyone knows what's going on there. So neighbors see that this blind man was healed and they ask him, who, what, where, when, how? He says, a man named Jesus put some mud on my eyes, told me to go wash, and now I see. Okay, where's Jesus now? We've got to go talk with him. I'm not sure what's happening here, but I've got to go find out, um, you know, some sort of trick. They do not see with their eyes what is happening, and this means suspicion. And we ourselves are never suspicious of miracles, are we? They bring him, this blind man who was blind, to the Pharisees. And right after that statement that they brought him to the Pharisees, John makes a little side note here. He says, well, it's interesting to note, kind of paraphrasing his words, that all of this happened on the Sabbath. Well, the Pharisees already had trouble with what Jesus was doing on the Sabbath, and now he's healing on the Sabbath. Not only that, is he healing, but he's doing work on the Sabbath. He created mud and put it on this man's eyes. How can this man be of God when he does these things on the Sabbath? About three or four times, this man is asked about the way the miracle was performed. Right after the first time the Pharisees hear the story, they say, this man is not from God. This Jesus is not from God. He does not keep the Sabbath. The man who was blind says that he thinks Jesus is a prophet. After the Pharisees are asked to bring in his parents and ask them, was he blind 
we've got to make sure he was blind from birth, right? We're just making sure here. Yes, he was blind from birth. But we don't know what happened to him now. I mean, he's an adult. Whatever happens to him now happens. Wow. I mean, I know parents that would give their lives so their child could see again. But here we have parents who are trying to back away because, well, they're not sure about this Jesus. If your religion makes you avoid joy and well-being of your family, it seems to me there's some problems there. The Pharisees disgraced the miracle, and some of the neighbors and friends despised the miracle, and his own parents are trying to back away from the miracle. But there's an interesting fact here. This man who was healed becomes firm and rock solid. As the rest of the story goes, it almost becomes a tragic comedy. You want to laugh and cry at the same time. They ask him for the fourth time, how did Jesus heal you? And at that moment, you can tell by the tone of this word, of the words of this man, he's had enough. I mean, when all the people are telling you that this man is not right, they tell him that Jesus is a sinner, but he replies, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know, I was blind and now I see. We do not know where he came from, replied the Pharisees. Wow, it's remarkable. The healing man has said he now sees. But the Pharisee says, well, we're not sure where he came from. It's like a husband trying to excuse himself and explain what he did, and every word just digs that hole deeper. When you dream about the statement, you have the right to remain silent, but it's already too late. Only the defending side now is blind, and not this man. I just want to mention that the blind man was healed by Jesus, was a very brave man. Because it seemed like at this point the whole world was against him, yet he remained firm. The reason of his courage is Jesus, who came into his life. Jesus didn't say much, but the words became and made him a different person. When everybody, even his parents, were trying to stay away from him, he alone was standing for Jesus. His faith made him strong. And now he was not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. You may only imagine the, conf the confusion this man had. He was glad to have his vision. On the other side, the people are saying, well, you shouldn't be glad about this. I mean, this was done on the Sabbath and by a man we cannot trust. Aren't you glad that Jesus healed on the Sabbath? What do you have in your life that needs to be healed today? You may say, I've fought with it since birth, but it's still here. I give up. I cannot go on like that. What do you have today that you even hide or try and hide, of course, from Jesus? Of course, he's aware with it, aware of it. Whatever you have in your life today, this Sabbath, Jesus 
can take it away. Whatever wound was killing before now can be healed. Because Jesus is the light of the world. He is the eyes of the blind. He says a word and the sinner becomes righteous. He says a word and the lost become found. Jesus frees the captive. He is the joy for those who have tears. He is the strength for those who cannot move. He is the disaster for the devil. And he is the defender of the weak. He is the Son of God and is able to rescue us from any trouble we are in. That is why we all say today, because of the gospel of Christ, I am not ashamed, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Being cast out and confused, the ex-blind man does not know what to do. He is just cast out of the church for not for not obeying what the church thinks is right, but for being healed. In such a moment, you may lose your faith, but Jesus is always with you. The Bible says Jesus heard that they cast him out and went and found him and said to him, Do you believe in the Son of God? The man answered, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? Jesus said, I have both seen him, and he is now talking with you. Then the man answered, Lord, I believe. What a happy ending for a person who was blind at the beginning of a Sabbath day. At the end of a Sabbath day, not only had he found his sight, this man had found his faith in Jesus. As I told you, the second part of the chapter is the greatest tragedy. And Jesus said, for judgment I have come into this world that those who do not see me, that they may see. But those who now see, that they may be blind. The greatest problem of all time, people that were able to see in this story became blind. The one who was blind was now able to see. It is absolutely our choice today which group we are in. But one thing I am sure, unless our life is touched by Jesus and his grace today, we will be blind from birth. You remember the story that I started out the sermon about Michael May who had miraculously regained his sight. But that's not the end of the story. The end of it kind of proves two things. The ophthalmologist, Daniel Goodman from San Francisco, did indeed make a little miracle by rebuilding his cornea and giving him sight. But the second thing is that Jesus is the greatest healer of all. Why do I say that? Because in 2003, three years after he had regained his sight, the results were mixed. Michael May still reported that he was unable to grasp three-dimensional objects and understand distance because of his sight. Because it takes a lifetime of learning. Watch a baby reach for something that's way out of his reach. 
and understand what he went through. He had trouble recognizing objects, shapes, and symbols. He had also difficulty even recognizing his own family faces. Until they spoke, he would not recognize who they were. But here we have this story where Jesus, the greatest healer of all time, heals a blind man. The blind man is not only healed in his sight, but in his brain also because we see that he recognizes the people around him. And he recognizes Jesus. Jesus says a word in the beginning. And light comes into existence. Jesus says a word and the universe comes into existence. Jesus says a word and our lives are transformed from birth. There is a final victory. There is total success. Jesus stops by a blind man as we read in the gospel today. He needs nobody to see us. He needs nothing to heal us. He loves us and cares for us. He died for us and rose again. That is why I am not ashamed of the gospel. 